Live from Mount Juliet, Tennessee. <laughs> hey, Johnny. Hey, what's up? Hey, we're not really live. Uh, this is recorded. This is being recorded. We will edit out anything offensive. Hopefully, it'll be live when you listen to it. You know, like it's... You mean like it'll for feel... For you, right. Yeah, it'll yeah. be live. In the- I had a buddy, Matt, who was an avid listener who wants to be our official fact checker. Like he oh. says all the time when he's sitting and is... Not that he's not working if his employer is listening, but... That he'll be driving down the road or listening, and he will say something, and we'll be wondering about it. Yeah. And he'll be like, I just wish I could call in. I'm like, yeah, but it's not really live. Oh, right. You know? I thought he meant like he heard things that we said that he thought were dubious, and he would fact check. And then oh, he, he does that too. Oh. Yeah. Has well, he found a lot of lies? And he, not dubious, mis- just things where we had questions that he had oh. answers Well, no, que- I don't mean questions. I mean, but like sometimes I'll say something definitively, and I wonder if there are listeners going, that's not right. <laughs> and they want to. He did. He, I forget what it was. And in fact, what we need to do is is we need to call him and have him make a list up to now of all yeah. the things and have a whole conversation. Well, if you remember, I texted you this week <clears throat> because you made fun of me for using the word magnet I think in referring to a wealthy person. But it's magnate. No, it's not. It's. it's I, I look at the pronunciation in the text that I sent you. It can be pronounced magnet. I He's didn't a newspaper make fun magnet. Of you. I just asked. I was. I was less aware of the term. But yes. But you you're. Who, which one of us has a master's degree, John? I thought we talk all the time. Which about one of us has a JED? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> education, Johnny, is not just about education. Mark Twain said, "I never let my schooling get in the, in the way, way of my education." education. Mm. Did you know what he also? Listen, this is true. <laughs> so you know, he also he's the one who originally said, "Because I used to love this quote: it's not the size of the dog in the fight; it's the size of the fight in the dog." In the dog, right? And that's like a great quote. I always thought it was like Buster Douglas who said that or like Sugar Ray Robinson, some boxer. Right. Mark Twain said that, which makes me believe he totally had an illegal dog fighting ring. <laughs> There's no way around it. <laughs> Why would a rich white guy be saying that? He had he had experience with fighting dogs. <laughs> so he oh, was no. the Michael Vick of his day. I was just never, I know we've already addressed it before, but that I just never can forget that Alec Baldwin doing the uh, oh yeah Mark, the Mark Twain, Twain humor award for Tina Fey yeah. when he dressed up like did the video feed <laughs> <laughs> like that he was time traveling, you know? Yeah, and he said the time travel had affected his ability to come up with clever sayings. <laughs> what was said, the one he said? He said, uh, "I wrote one down the other day. Uh, two men can learn as much by milking a cat." As a third man came from a very tall fourth man. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> it makes no sense. Oh, that's so funny. So funny. But I don't know. But yeah, you're right. So yeah, so uh, I would love to have a fact checker, though. I think that's good. I think it's healthy. I try now more, and I've learned this from other people. There's something going on where we make up our minds about something, especially in church culture, because it's important to have like a, a level of certainty. Right. Um, and then it, but it kind of extends to other places in your life without you meaning to. So you come off as this person who's just a know-it-all. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I'm like, I don't understand. I want to be a learner and not just like some guru. Yeah. Because gurus, I don't know. Cause I just think it's better to be learned. The more people I'm, I'm, Tim Hawkins is that way, man. I told you the story about him learning Chinese just to do it. Yeah. He's like in his bunk, ching, chow, pink, like repeating the phrases back. Yeah. And then he just had a conversation with a Chinese dude one time at a show. Wow. Like after the show, we were at Whataburger, and he starts having this conversation with this guy who was a missionary to Laos. Wow. He's like, I don't know what he said to the guy, but it was amazing. And I was like, here's this guy. for no He, he doesn't need it. He's just like, I want to learn this. Yeah, I don't <clears> – <throat> often I long – so we went to Costco 
this week. I don't know how often you go to Costco. Do you go to Costco? Uh, I'm not a member. Johnny, they don't let me in. Have you never been to Costco? How much is it to call? How much it cost for membership? I don't know. Costco, not a sponsor. Whatever it is, it's worth it. My what theory, do you mean you don't know? My, well, you don't know how much you're spending? I don't think there's an annual. It's fee. like a, no, there is too. Yeah, it's like a hundred dollars a year or something is it? like that. I don't recall. Sam's Club totally had a fee. Yeah, but see, Costco is so superior to Sam's Club. It's hard to describe. Why. Do you have a card membership card that you hand yes. over? Yes. There's a, you're paying for that card. Perhaps. And I know everything that we usually pay, so I, I don't, don't know. I, don't, I think that I'm exposing your budget because it's oh, like you don't even know what's I'm going on. I'm a learner. Out. I'm okay with being exposed. <laughs> I don't know what magnet is or I don't know how much we pay at Costco, but I will tell you this. Yes. My theory is at Costco, they need to just take a $300 toll at the door. Because that's what you're going to pay every time. Can I just pay my $300? And then you get it, part of it and back if you didn't if you spend didn't, that much. Or the excess. Now I owe you 30 or whatever at the end because that's what it is. Mm. But anywho, the book table. The book table at Costco. It's a big deal as a, as a writer. I want my book there. I'm saying all this to make a point yeah. back to your previous job. Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing this thing back around. The book table. But there's so, every time I end up buying a book, and I have stacks of them at home, okay? Mm-hmm. And this time was an American history book on, on racism and other things, a Pulitzer Prize winner, author, all these things. This is American racism, John? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just don't. Are you sure that? That's kind of a liberal it, belief. It's just, there was raci- there's racism in America? I know. It's a, it's a, what a novel idea. Yeah, but it, <sighs> it, 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 it goes back and traces the history like all the way through the Civil War and stuff. But anyway, right. I just want to read it yeah. to not have a reason. That was a point. Like I wish I learned when I had no purpose for learning. But I feel like all of my learning, my time is wrapped up in things that, oh, I, you have to doing, further this I'm doing that. it for this book or doing it for this sermon or right. doing it for this. this and, and I do. I long – to just sit and just read like 10 books that yeah. are just because I want to. Well, yeah. even the Bible that happens, you know, because I was uh, on staff here for about four years as a young adult pastor. And it happens to you with the Bible sometimes. The Bible stops becoming this uh, source for you and it becomes like this cool book that you get sermons out of. Right. It's like oh, a yeah. it's like a resource. And not yep. a source. That, that'll preach, John. Mm, come on mm. now. Some of y'all putting a read on the y'all. source. <laughs> <laughs> you need to unsource your resource. I don't, I don't know why. You ruined my sermon. Yeah. Well, That's... I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> we used to talk about, we were talking last week about that. It ain't Guns and Roses. It's God and Moses. But uh, <laughs> we used to talk about how you knew if it was going to be a good sermon because it had to rhyme. That was <laughs> If it rhymes, it's from God. <laughs> right. Like, you need to... <laughs> There ain't no. You need to get the baloney out of your testimony. Something like that. It, has to, it needs to. It needs to roll off the tongue. It's like Johnny Cochran would be a great preacher because he's got the. If the gloves don't fit, you must have quit. People would have shouted that down. Like that was definitely. Didn't he had a preacher you, in him. He didn't know it. Didn't you used to do a class on Sunday mornings where you'd play a game called Let Me Ask You a Question? And book, it was from the Book of Acts. We'd do a game show with the kids. <laughs> Let Me Ask You a Question. And it would be all about you know, the early church. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we did one uh, where it was like Latter-day Saints or Latter-day Aints because we were studying like <laughs> other religions and other yeah. other sects of, of uh, culture and religion. And so I had read all this stuff about – I can't remember. Something about Mormonism was in the news. Maybe the Warren Jeffs thing where he was whatever caught. And yeah. So I was like, well, let's study this. So I made this list of things, and I would read them off to the kids, and they had to put them on one section of the wall, Latter-day Saints, or, meaning was it true about Mormonism, their beliefs, or not. Yeah. And I would read and they'd get more and more obscure, like 
they have special underwear that they wear with symbols on it that keeps them from having lustful thoughts. And they'd be like, no, that's not true. It's true. And they'd be like, what? They'd freak out. (laughs) They believe that in the future, uh, in the afterlife, you will have your own planet that you'll be lord over and your wife will be eternally pregnant. That can't be real. It's real. They'd be like, what? They'd freak out. And I just thought that was so fun. But, yeah, I mean, let me ask you a question. Was That was a big hit. We did that more than once. That was uh, – I remember. You went, uh, You really went out for that. I was a good Sunday school teacher. That oh, was before yeah. I was a young adults pastor. I was just – that was like uh, 10th graders, 9th graders. Man. So you got to keep it – you got to keep it snappy. You got to keep it going. Yeah. We had prizes. I don't remember the prizes at all. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember <clears> – I was thinking the other day too because that just – that got me going last week thinking about all the stupid things we used to say or hear pastors that they would say like try to trick your congregation into doing something – saying something wrong and then correcting yeah. them. You know, like, so today, guys, I'll be uh, – how many of you guys have read the book of Hezekiah? You know, like, Oh, right. People are just going to raise their hand for anything. It's like, you know what? There is no book of Hezekiah. Right. Like you freak out on them. <laughs> One time when I was in – I went to a private Christian school for a couple of years when I was a kid and – one time, the Bible teacher said, turn to Malachi 6 or whatever. And then, like, immediately, this one kid goes, there is no Malachi 6. <laughs> and it was like we all turned around, and there wasn't. He was wrong. It was a mistake. It wasn't like a trick. He just meant Malachi 4, verse 6. <laughs> and there, he, he knew right away, though, there is no Malachi 6. Wow. It's like, what is this kid? He's a savant. Kid, <laughs> he's memorized how many chapters? It's like Rain there? Man, wow. the Bible. Remember sword drills? Well, I was in Bible quiz. So you had you were the champion of sword drills. Uh, you can't use Bibles with tabs. That's the rule, right? No cheating. We didn't do sword drills where you look it up. We had to memorize. What now? Oh, yeah. Bible memorize quiz. Memorize the Bible? Well, Johnny, I know. You well, know what a sword drill is, though, is when you can yeah, you you have to flip go to the Bible open to the to verse that he it. calls out, and you find it, and read. whoever starts reading it first wins. Correct. We didn't do that. And it's like that's like firing the gun. You kill the other person <laughs> with your sword. With the sword. Wait. Right. You brought a sword to a gunfight. <laughs> but yeah, so That's kids funny. would learn that not only is the Bible important, but you can show dominance over other right. people with it. You can use and it. I think that's a good thing for kids to learn. <laughs> you can use it to really... I can be the best at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do remember what place I came in in the state in Bible quiz, so that wow. lets you know the Weren't you Ranger of the Year, too, Royal Rangers? Explain Royal Rangers to those who don't know what it is, John. I was Ranger of the Year. It's like a, it's just a Boy Scout program within a church. But Boy Scouts is already a Christian program, is it not? Uh, you know, Johnny, I don't think we're ready to have that political conversation <laughs> right now. <laughs> what, because they're admitting girls and stuff now, too? Didn't oh, that may fight a landmark case? Yes. I don't why, wanna... why would a girl want to be in the Boy Scouts? But there are such a, there is such a thing as Girl that? Scouts. I know, know. Boys aren't allowed in there, right? I want to go sell know. some cookies. I don't know. I mean, I couldn't now. That's like, that's Man Scouts. That's a different wanna, thing. I don't want to sell the cookies. I just want to eat them. But, I, you know, I don't. Can you imagine, dude, the temptation <sighs> as a Girl Scout? Like you, to not open the box as you. I would totally be like the big girl. They'd be like Jennifer. <laughs> you had twelve cases of thin mints. What happened? I I think some of them melted. I don't know. <laughs> In your, I would mouth. have a I would have a deep voice <laughs> even as a girl. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Lay off me. I'm starving. <laughs> um, Anybody got any milk? I just it would not be a good scene. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that was the first time in my life right then that I've ever 
had a mental scenario in which one of us was a Girl Scout. Yeah. But so and you never already, want to think we about it again. Groundbreaking. I don't what want to go Johnny back. I was a Girl back. Scout. There used to be a comedian named John Panette, and uh, he's the one who did the bit about, you've been here for an hour. That's his famous right, bit of right, going right. to the Chinese buffet. Yeah. But he had another bit that he would do about the Girl Scout. If the Girl Scouts show up to his door and be like, you want to buy some cookies? He'd be like, young lady, I think you're going to win a trip to Washington this year. <laughs> Because <laughs> evidently that's what they win if they sell the most cookies or whatever. Uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, John Panette, rest in peace. Yeah, I used to do the camping stuff uh, and the awards and all those things, the tie knots and sharpened knives. Yeah, because we were talking and, about that. You knew how to start fires with kindling or – With my mind. Actually. Oh, that's yeah, a different – very <laughs> – different kind of award yeah, for that in the that's... Christian camping program. Oh, that's a different that's a different kind of badge for you there. That's a nice one. That reminds me of my brother who has twin daughters and they can move things with their mind. They're my telekinesis. And uh that's a dumb joke. I'm sorry, that's a dad joke. <laughs> telekinesis. That's a dad joke. You know, I wanna s I don't understand yeah. what's so bad about a dad joke. Well you're a dad. Yeah. I mean <laughs> You're a dad, and so I, just, I, I don't know. I it, there's the a fine line between like a stigma. clever wordplay joke and a dad joke, and I think it's in the eye of the beholder or the eye of the holder. I don't know what it is. It's in the eye of the. <laughs> it's my, in the. It's in one of those things. My daughter has now. She's certainly a product of her environment. Any sort of two words put together, now she tries to combine them. Oh. I don't know where she gets it, Johnny. I don't know. To make up a new word. <clears throat> but so we were driving through Brentwood the other day on the way to Costco. There's a theme so far in this episode. Costco. Please. Costco, we would love to have a sponsor. I'd love to have a sponsor. Or at least put one of my books on your table. Anyway, mm. we're going through and there's there's huge houses. It's like old school Brentwood. Yeah. And so Sadie would go, is that a mansion? Yes, honey, that's a mansion. Is that a mansion? Honey, they're all mansions. Like, you know. Right. So she saw one that she thought looked like a boarding school from some old movies. So she yeah. started coming up with this homeschool idea where her and her friend Aubrey could be the only two students in this school. Yeah. And her last name is Stewart. And so we came up with, we're going we're gonna to call it the uh, Stuver, Driver, Stewart, Stewart, Driver, Stuver Academy. And then she comes up with all these, bi- Stuver Academy. Where learning is a joy for two, we have tours. Get lost. Like she's she's got all these like really weird, all these like combining. It's like we have tours and get lost. That's not a very that's friendly. Not, those aren't tours. Yes. By the way, that's the plot to Facts of Life. <laughs> because you remember that show? I do. Where was the girls boarding school? Yeah. She doesn't even know it, but she needs Mrs. Garrett in her she's life. A she, <laughs> she's a genius. She's a genius. Is she going to be Joe or is she going to be Blair? That's the question. <laughs> She wants to. I don't know. Remember the feathered hair? Blair had that part in the middle. That feathered hair. It was so yeah. feathered. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a thing. Gosh, the girls feather hair anymore? They don't. No. Remember we had what was the thing? Because we're five years apart. But mine was the poof, the, the hairspray poof in the front. That I was had like, a poof. Looked like a bird's nest. You didn't have a poof. Yeah. No, I'm saying girls had the poof. No, did you have a poof? No, not poof, but you did. You did. You did spike it up in the front. Oh, like right. That. No, no, that's recent. That's more recent. That's like nine. Oh, you mean like the bang poof? I mean like girls having bangs, but it had like okay, it was bang so poof crusty. sounds like a Batman show. Bang, bang poof, <laughs> onomatopoeia. Pow. Yeah. Uh, onomatopoeia. <laughs> that should have been a. <laughs> that's like a. That's like a three shot combo for Batman. Onomatopoeia. <laughs> onomatopoeia. Speaking of Costco books, I want to. I want to mm. say something because I'll forget. All right. There was a thing that happened on the internet a while back where they were people were spreading this meme around that Costco had put the Bible on their nonfiction or on their fiction table. What? And people, Christians were spreading it around. 
They're saying the Bible's not true. They're saying it's fiction. And it wasn't true at all. Wait, it wasn't true that they were doing it? It wasn't true. <laughs> Are you saying the Bible's not true? It wasn't because true I'm that very... Costco had done that. Oh. And so, but, but by the time then, it's like, these Christians are up in arms. We're going to boycott Costco. And I think it's so weird. And I see this every day on the internet. And I just want to say, if you're on, so we talk about social media quite a bit because it's, it, it's infiltrated our lives. But yesterday, a, a person who is who I respect, uh, and I've met him at a show, and he's a medical person. He's a, an educated person. He shared this meme that was a quote attributed to Kurt Cobain that said uh, in 1993 that he said this, right before he killed himself, evidently, that, oh, the party, we're getting too, you know, these parties are just uh, getting too manipulative of the left and right. And eventually we're going to find somebody closer to the Senate. It'll probably end up being a businessman who just will do whatever the people really need. Somebody like Donald Trump, as far far fetched as that sounds, Kurt Cobain. 19, I was like, this can't be true. So sure enough, I looked it up. It's not true. And I shared that link right underneath it. I go, nope. And I just clicked and I shared that link. But now the people say, when you share the link, this is the culture of we're right. detaching They're ourselves from the truth. link is not true. The link is not true. Right. <clears throat> and this Snopes.com is a left leaning whatever. And so they're spreading falsehoods that these true things are not true. And you just go, I'm losing my mind here. Do you think about what you know about Kurt Cobain? Do you really think he would have been okay with Donald Trump as president? Right. Do you know anything about Kurt Cobain at all? So I'm just telling Christians out there. I know we have a lot to listen here. Maybe we have some, some people not of faith listening to that's great too. We love having you either way. Do 10 seconds of research before you just blindly share something that does damage to somebody's because sometimes somebody's still alive and you're damaging their credibility or you're furthering some false belief just because it backs up your weird bias. Like, just stop it. Left and right. Stop doing that. Yeah, I think that the I think that the the discourse on of course, we have another theme today so far. Fact checking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really difficult because as much as I'm. As much as I was trained in school, okay, like, man, you were not allowed to use anything that didn't have a very – you had to go to a book. Like right. You couldn't just go to a website most of the time. Yeah. But – and I understand that's not always the case because books are digitized now. And I'm, not, I'm not against anti-printed sources, all those things. That wouldn't be impo- – that would be impossible in the current world. But I will say that the fact that sources are being intentionally misleading now mm-hmm. – you're you're asking a lot. Yes, you want to go. They could do ten seconds of research, Johnny, and it'd be wrong too. Right, because you and, could find one other place that would back that up. And it's so difficult now to know where the right sources if it, are. If it favors Trump, and the website is TrumpTrain.org, it might be. It right. might be propaganda. Yeah, and and again, to, and it happens on the other side. I saw one the other day. On I've seen sides. there was one during the election. Where Trump was on a talk show, and so it was a picture of him like on Donahue or something in the mid-90s because he did the talk show circuit as this billionaire playboy or whatever. Right. And he was like a more of a public figure but not a political figure. So he would do these talk shows, and they would just ask him because uh, he was a New York real estate magnet. <laughs> and so there's a meme of that photo of him with Donahue, and the quote is, if I ever do run for office, I'll definitely run on the Republican Party because they're easily uh, – you know." Dissuaded, they'll be so easily manipulated that I'll definitely win. And so Democrats were uh, were sharing this to say, like Republicans, you got a con man in your midst. You know, he said this years ago that he was going to run on the, and they're falling for it. And it's like, it's not true. 
So both sides do it. And they never said anything close to that. No, and I think <clears throat> I think the key to the whole thing is being willing if everybody's willing to admit some wrong, yeah. Then I mean, isn't that what a marriage or a friendship or anything in life that works requires yeah. everybody to have a little bit of malleability. Yeah. And the the sense of no no no, it has to be because here's the here's the reason why. That we feel this way, I think. And and we're not being political right now at all. This is literally you could apply this to anything. Please don't life. turn off the podcast. No. But the bottom line is this. Trumptrain.org, not a sponsor. When, <laughs> when when you feel so strongly right. against so so if you're if you're i I'm a conservative, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I am pro life. But I'm pro life both as a stance against abortion, but also for uh, children and life to death, or excuse me, birth to death type mm-hmm. mindset. I think we have to take care of people and not right. just call ourselves pro-life and then not want to help deal with what comes right. after a baby is born. And I think that's the gospel. I think the gospel has that pro-life stance and right. we are to serve and certainly the idea that we receive nothing in return or that we are taking it, taken advantage of, yeah. that is the gospel as well. You know, that – and I'm, I'm, again, now where that crosses into um, governmental oversight or into taxation and all those things yeah. and distribution of wealth, all those things, you know what? We're going to have to use wisdom and because and, government is not of the Bible. It's not of the gospel. Government is a necessary thing for earthly institutions. And so – I I get frustrated whenever I find even myself mixing these two worlds, letting these two root systems of two trees grow together that you can't tell apart anymore, mm-hmm. that people now lump a a political viewpoint in with a religious viewpoint and hope or despair is ascribed to them both equally. Yeah. And so – I respect my president. I pray <clears> – <throat> I need to be praying for my president. I need to be – you know, whether that was Obama or Trump or Bush or Clinton or – I mean like in my lifetime, there are going to be people that I vote for who are my leader and people who yeah. I don't. And so in that respect though, I have to remember where I – mean, we read a scripture last Sunday that um, we – we have our citizenship is in heaven from which we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Like there, there's this, I have to have this, I have to have the trees separated. I have to know Mm -hmm. that my hope is elsewhere. But I think again, to my point, the reason people have trouble admitting any wrong on their side is because man, the issues are, and they should be the issues we're talking about with immigration, with abortion, with all of these things like that. You can feel so strongly mm-hmm. and you become enraged. And I'm just telling you, man, it sounds like I'm anti-social media. I'm really, really not. But there is nothing that can ruin my Saturday quicker than 20 minutes on Facebook. I mean God's honest truth, man. Just the the, the venom and, and just the ranting yeah. of it all and that feeling of I'm being duped. I don't even know if I can believe this and to spend my time then trying to – 
corroborate sources that could all be faulty, could all be right. true. It is. It's. I'm not saying we don't. I'm not saying we stopped. In, we stop engaging. I think yeah. I'm pointing out this engagement. This this dialogue, if we want to call it that, right. is not working in the American political system or in the religious system. Yeah, it's just making us more deeply entrenched and more like afraid of – we're so afraid of being wrong that we'll just we'll demonize the other side and it's not fixing anything. I think that's one of the things – like we talk about short-term missions and all that and people are starting to kind of come around on that even a little bit as far as like is it is it always the best idea to take a group – of of middle class white people into a country to build something uh and then just leave like is that always the best idea but one thing i do think short term missions does is it gives you a little bit more of a global perspective on things yeah. you hang out in other airports and other countries you realize oh there's a whole city here where I, you might have fig- you might have pictured people in huts and now you go wow they got this infrastructure oh they have wifi here it makes you just go oh there's other perspectives on life and there's other right there's other things going on besides just me, and so I do think that's good. Uh, people who people who travel a lot are usually they have a different mindset than people who stay in small town their whole life. It's just true. No, it's just exposure, and 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 you can have it's, one's not better than the other. I'm better, you know? uh, but <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm not better, John. You can't trap <laughs> me into that. No, no, I do think that I, it's been a gift. That's one of the the, the true gifts of. Doing what I do is I have to go to Kearney, Nebraska yeah, and see people who – there's three cows per person in Kearney, Nebraska. Wow. And so you have to be like, okay, well, this is they, – they have different ideas about what success is was probably. Was it originally Kearney, Nebraska? Kearney. No, it's K-E-A-R-N-E-Y. Because oh, I was thinking Kearney. So some people say Kearney, but it's Kearney. Oh. I think it's interesting when you go to a town. Did I tell you this already? When you go to a town, they pronounce it different than you. And I got into my show. I did this show in uh, Louisville, Illinois. Mm, it's Louisville. It's Louisville. It? Yeah. And like by the third time, they were like, Louisville. They, they did not like. No, they don't like that. I was like, oh, so they're like, we ain't French. They, they, somebody said we ain't French. And, we uh, ain't French. Yeah. Which know, I don't think that that's ever been put together you know in a sense. ain't sentence. is actually a French word? Is it? No. no. But anyway, that when I was in Wisconsin, that was a thing I called This ain't them, a croissant. I got croissant. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Wisconsin, I said, you Wisconsinians. I kept saying Wisconsinians. Oh, it's Wisconsinians. No? Wisconsinites? And, and they, would, they had no idea what I was saying. Like at one point, somebody said – somebody asked me a question at the end of one of the sessions, and I was like – it was with the microphone, and I was like, I have no idea what you're asking right now. And mm-hmm. then I figured it out. They thought I was using some other – like we don't know what that – I was like, Wisconsinians, people from Wisconsin. And they go, no, 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 we're Wisconsinites. Yeah. I was like, oh, Wisconsinites. Isn't that one of the tribes like, that was, <laughs> in the Bible that God said, go smite, smite the Ammonites, the, the Amalekites, the, the Wisconsinites? Wisconsinites and the Mosquito Bites. I think and, they would be the Wisconsinites. Wouldn't that be? When the no vowels no in vowels, their culture? No vowels. Wow. Like they, they've outlawed vowels. That'd be amazing. Like that town from Footloose that banned dancing. <laughs> Then they would have all these weird like uh, names, like uh, Viking names. Come here, blink, clack, and clock. Blink, clock. There would no be. Well, I was just telling us like guys, Tennesseans, Georgians, Kentuckians, like everywhere down here, no one has a knight. Did you say Georgian? It's Georgian. Georgian? I don't know. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't Georgianite. I can tell you that. Georgianite. So. 
Georgia Night Simpsons. sounds like something you would, sounds like something you'd put on like it's like a, a Teflon. <laughs> this thing's made of Georgia Night. It's you can't you can't you can't break it. It's unbelievable. I can't I can't help but not think of Dumb and Dumber the Swans. What was her name? Samson. Um, Sam, I was, <laughs> was way, way off. off. Yeah. Anyway, so hey, uh, we just finished the Fourth of July. Yes, uh, beautiful. Uh, I mean, technically, we didn't probably finish it. It happens every country year. country is 242. I don't know. I was told there'd be no math on this. Yeah, 242 years old. this at me. What do you think of that, John? Does, how, how are we looking 242 years in, do we feel? Oh, man. This is a fascinating subject for me. Mm-hmm. You're a big American history person. I am. Um, I, I, I feel... I feel that 242 years is still really young. It, oh, it's totally we, young. We don't, we don't have a perspective of that. Somebody posted a thing of the signers of the Declaration of Independence's age. Mm-hmm. One of them was 19. Really? It blew my mind. I can't. I need to look, and then we need to resource that, oh, don't we? Oh, no. Hold on. You need to unsource it. Because so it, it might have been totally a lie. Like, I think the oldest person was 33. And that was Jefferson. Really? Yeah. Uh, or maybe Benjamin, Ben Franklin. Benjamin Franklin, Benjamin Franklin was the oldest one. But I think he was 33. Wow. And John, how old are you now? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Can you imagine six years ago you being like, you know what, England, we're out of here, right? And starting a new country. Yeah, and which you know you would have been literally tried and hanged for treason. Yeah, if they would have. I mean, this was not a small deal. I think we we really sterilized the American Revolution a little bit. Like, oh, you know, like it's not a real war, but this was a this was a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was pretty big big deal. So, These British people were upset. I don't mean to sum up the whole thing just nicely. But I'm going to just say this, Johnny. American Revolution, pretty, pretty big, big deal. deal. <laughs> That's its own podcast. <laughs> this guy's clearly, he knows his stuff. No, I, I, um, I think that I'm fascinated still by the Enlightenment uh, thinkers that and, and that the influence of that on the founding fathers and the discourse and the conversation and reading still, you know, like the Federalist Papers and stuff. People like people don't know, Johnny, that we did not have a constitution in, in 1781, I think it was, whenever we finally – and by the way, 1776 was not really the birth of the nation. Like I love this. This is a great – this is a great – you're still looking up. You're still looking it up. I am. But you could keep going though. I'm going to find this. <laughs> in – People like I love this. All we did was declare independence in 1776, but we did not earn our independence. It wasn't ours yet. Right? You just—it's right. like declaring bankruptcy. You gotta—you <laughs> can't just say bankruptcy. No, man. that Michael like, Scott I taught us that. I didn't just say it. I declared it. That's what he said. Oh. <laughs> okay. Here, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, it turns out many founding fathers were younger than 40 years old. With several qualifying as founding teenagers or twenty somethings, and some, and though the average age of the signers of Declaration of Independence was forty four, more than a dozen of them were thirty five or younger. Uh, hold on, and it, it says there were a, t- a teenager or two in there. Wow. Uh, we're live, Johnny. No, I'm t- <laughs> you can edit this all out. Did Betsy Ross sign the – this isn't a real list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on TrumpTrain.org, by the way. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, my god! You're just trying to inflame our list. This is from uh, Slate. So this is actually a reputable site, but I'm going to figure it out. So, Well, at any rate, the there was this 10-year gap. People don't really think about the – 
the time that we had the Articles of Confederation. Yeah. So there's a 10-year gap. So America declares independence. And the only reason we won the war, by the way, France. You know, uh, France was enemies of England, and they finally came through, and, and our guys held out. And the British colonialism was beginning to collapse worldwide, and so they couldn't sustain a war over the seas, overseas this far. At any rate, Johnny, the Articles of Confederation was this time period where there was like no taxation, where like there was – so it was, we did not have a constitution, and it truly was like independent states. Yeah. Independent states all just kind of agreeing to be together. Right. And it was a disaster. They, they couldn't maintain a, a, a defense force for the nation. Of course, we're coming up on the War of 1812 where England's trying to take us back. You know? When did that happen, John? When did that war? War of 1812? Yeah. I think it was like from 1812 to 1815. But anywho. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Edward Rutledge. <laughs> yes. 26. From South Carolina. That's the youngest? He was 26. And by the way, Benjamin Franklin was not in his 30s. He was 70. He was already old. Yeah. Okay. So here's the other interesting thing about Edward Rutledge. Rutledge argued for the deletion of Jefferson's condemnation of slavery from the original Declaration of Independence. Did Jefferson have a condemnation of slavery Hold on. in the original Declaration But he of signed the Declaration for the sake of unanimity. Hold on. Uh, let's see, Jefferson listed the British Unanimity, that's a great word. Jefferson listed the British Crown's support and importation of slavery to the colonies as one of the grievances. And then here's a quote. He has waged cruel war against its human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life, liberty, and the pers- persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. Mm, great word. So he was, he was saying, this is another reason we're leaving. Yeah. Is because... Of slavery, which is odd because didn't Jefferson have slaves? That's – yes. And didn't he sire a child from a slave? Yes. I'm, this is – I'm all, now I'm more confused this than when we why, started. See, Jonah, Guys, sources. We need, we need another source besides the internet, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. We need another internet that's been scrubbed of false data. Yes, a scrinternet. Um, a scrubber net. I don't know. That's what it said. He would scrubber net's like that thing that you get the pots and pans out, and it's a little. It's got the little net texture on it. Yeah, it gets the like if you've left the eggs scrubber in the net. pan. Well, if you're, a, but are you quite done surfing the internet? I'm while done. I'm we can talk about things. No, I, I just don't want to say things I don't know are true, and so I had to check. And stare at you with no eye contact. Yesterday, somebody posted that some one of the signers was 19, and that's a lie. That's another <sighs> example of my. Well, according to that, and then site. I spread it. I shared it. But what if they're right? Oh. What if the site you just looked at is wrong? How do you know? You know what I'm saying? At some point, you have to trust. You have to I trust I think we something. want to believe that, though. It makes us want to, man, they were just kids. Yeah. Instead of, like, wealthy landowners who didn't want to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a lot. Listen, I will say this. There was, I think, I think that there was a lot of true idealism, true mm-hmm. Um, belief system involved. Yeah. I, I really, really do because there's just too much written by them. I'm all about original sources. I think that that's a, a good way to find the right yeah. source. Go to the person who actually did what they did and ask them. And I mean, if you read their writings, they really are no pun intended revolutionary. <sighs> but that, but that, you know, to, that they, I, I do, I do marvel and perhaps lament just a skosh. That, yes, some dude at 35 was thinking on that level mm-hmm. and was signing away. Signing and had that vocabulary. Yes. Even. 
Like and he it, wouldn't have say use the word skosh. Right. He would have said something like thither, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we are moving this country hither and thither. For the sake of unanimity. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think I'm very grateful for my country. And I do think it's a fascinating – it's a good history in terms of um, understanding what they're about. It's marred. I mean slavery is the black eye that we have to acknowledge. And I think that goes back to what I was saying. It's okay to say – it's okay to say that was a mistake. Yeah. It's okay to say that we're wrong. It doesn't – I don't have to say that my, I hate my country. Because they ever did this. Right. Yeah. I can say that I hate that my country did that. Yeah. You know, and, and I want that to be healed in the lives of people generations later who are still dealing with it. And I want to be healed myself. I want my mindset yeah, to be a correctly way. aligned. And that's the, the – you got to be careful when you idealize anything. It's like the first time you found out your parents weren't perfect. Yeah. And how much it rattled you. Oh, yeah. But you didn't stop loving your parents. Right. And it didn't take away any of the good things they did. Yeah. It just meant I look at them with a different perspective now. Wow, mom cheated on dad or whatever it was. Or even the first time your mom cussed. Did your mom ever cuss? My mom listens to the podcast, so. You're going to tell her. Please tell the story. There was one time. I oh, yeah. Please tell. What word? You don't have to say it, but just give me the idea of the word. Uh, it really wasn't even that much of a cuss word. Oh. This like is so boring. Dad know. wouldn't. We were coming back from vacation. People oh, are driving listens. their cars into guardrails. <laughs> Listen to this. I need something juicy. I hope we were driving back from vacation. She dropped an f bomb. No, she didn't. We were in the back of the van, and I guess we had been on the road for about twelve hours or whatever. Okay. And Dad was not adjusting the air in the way that was that was being requested. I guess. Oh. And they got into an argument. You know. And again, only time it was, it was okay. Mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> And mom said something about dad acting like a jackass. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's not really. No, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's synonymous with the word donkey. You know? Yeah. And dad said, 40 years of marriage. I never heard your mother cuss. You know, and our yeah. whole, all of us are looking out the window for the rapture to happen yeah. or whatever, the apocalypse, you know, what's going on kind of mm-hmm. thing. And because my mom is just, you know, she just is such. She's a saint. She really, my mom really is a saint. So mom, if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry. It, the truth is this: Gosh. what I try to do in my life. Do you think life, she's still saved? Like, be real. <laughs> like, do you think after she said that, that that meant she'd fallen away? I need to know what your belief is. Let me tell you something. My viewpoint on cursing and those kinds of things has shifted a lot over the years. But you said shifted, right? Shifted. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and so, well, I always like with Sadie, though. To your point, yes, Sadie. And, I, and we got to be careful as parents not to do this. I think we do it as church mm-hmm. leaders. I think we do it as parents. I think we do it as politicians. I think we do it across the board. It goes back to that ideal mm-hmm. that I, I need you to think that I'm on a certain level so that I can have respectability. Yeah. And there's some um, – there's just, there's just practical wisdom in some of that. But from a faith perspective, which has to be in my life, hopefully the, the predominant perspective, like I'm really trying to convince Sadie – of how imperfect I am because I understand the absolute downside because she's going to figure to your point. She's going to find out. Right. And it'd be better for me not to act like it was, she doesn't need to think that the whole thing was a ruse that I, or it doesn't that need I was to be that disillusioning to her yeah. because she needs to understand that like, Oh yeah, well dad. Yeah. Well, I knew that the whole time, but I'll, but we'll I'll always talk at night. That's when we talk before bed. And and she, you know, we'll talk about because she's very introspective. I don't know where she gets it, you know. Yeah. And so she'll she'll say, you know, you know. Uh, I love when people who who can't stop, who can't get away from their own thoughts, 
call it being introspective. That, that we overanalyze everything and we yeah. kill we kill the momentum of any moment because we have to stop and analyze it. We call it, I'm just introspective. It's like, no. Marty has this thing. He always goes, like when I'm like over, he goes, my dad always says, Marty says this because his dad was a lawyer. He goes, Marty, I think there's a danger here of overcoaching this. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, don't Marty this up. Yeah. <laughs> and I do it. I do it too, you know. Yeah. No, and, and that's... Sadie will get st- stuck in her own. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, here's the, she'll recall all the mistakes she made that day, and oh, then possibly no. start telling you all the mistakes going back to preschool because she wow. has a photographic memory. And I'm like, honey, really, you know? And so I'll go, honey, Daddy made that same mistake today, and she said this to me too. You never make mistakes, Daddy. And I'm going, and I do. I feel like a failure because I haven't shown her my failures. I'm like, I, mm-hmm. what do I got to do? I mean, I'm being honest about it, but right. but there's that. I don't know. I don't know how to get through to her. <laughs> like, I think you don't want to be a fake good person, but right. it's okay to want to be a good person. No, and I'm fine with that. But I, I do think that she almost can't see it, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the viewpoint of childhood. So I'm trying to get her without destroying her viewpoint of childhood. Yeah, because <laughs> I want to be trustworthy. I want to let her see. Hey, perfection is not a yeah. contingency, sure, or, or a caveat for you to have to trust somebody. How about? That Jesus is working in my life today because I'm very, very imperfect, just yeah. like he's working in your life because you're very, very imperfect. And that's OK because he's perfect. And that's the whole point of what we believe, right. you know, that this is how we're being we're growing and, and that there's freedom there to not feel this sense of this weightiness over you yeah. because you didn't get it all right today. Um and, the only, and I think modeling that is the only way. But it's so funny when you're modeling it and, and you know, your kid. Yeah, I think it's a balance too. like some people. Now there's the swing the other way where you see these. I see something there. If you don't, if you can't love me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best (laughs) or whatever. It's like, well, maybe you needed to change some things. Maybe it's like the whole thing. Like, just be yourself. That's great advice. If you're a good dude, if you're a jerk, and we are, by the way, maybe we need to look inward. And that's not to say we can change ourselves. I get the whole idea of that that we're being transformed and all that. But I'm saying. This idea that like, nope, I'm good, and the world's going to have to let the game come to them because this is what it is. I, they're not. I'm not changing. I've decided. I think that's one of the mistakes adults make sometimes. Is yeah. we decide, well, I've, I'm through growing, mm-hmm. and whatever whatever has happened. That's why we don't make a lot of new friends either. By the way, yeah, because like you make all these friends when you're kids, and if they don't remain friends with you for life, you like I have friends, yeah, and then it's like. You, you don't go looking. You don't go taking new applications, <laughs> as it were. Well, yeah, because friendship is risky. And I think that's a – if you really take maturity and you were to throw it into the same bubble as the chronological growth. Yeah. Because that's what we do. We ascribe because you're in a, in a time of, of chronological growth in childhood that we yeah. – we're, we're pushing you to take chances, to try new things, to – change and to grow but you imagine if a, if a 10 year old looks at you and said you know what if you don't love me for who i am right you know <laughs> if you don't love me yeah it's when like, i'm having a tantrum then well yeah stop telling me that i need to yeah. brush my teeth you why can't you just love me to who i am i'm a guy who doesn't brush my teeth yeah and it's like well, i love you that's why i'm helping you and i think that if we never lost that just imagine that if you're 25 mm-hmm. now and you feel this resistance or you're 35 or this – no, no, no. Now yeah. I have become who I am. And one of my favorite Johnny W. quotes of all Oh, time gosh. I don't even – Is that no matter – oh, geez. This is, you better get it right. Always, I'm going to source this. You always say – you always say 
you're always still becoming. Yeah, something. you never stop becoming. Yeah, you never stop becoming. And so that, but the, well, we do though. We do. And he, and I think the key to it is if you are offended, if you're offended at moments that either a person or a situation calls you to a mm-hmm. place of growth because where you are is not, I'm not going to say it's not sufficient, but it's, it's not where it could be for that. Now, that being said, yeah. I'm not throwing out the idea. This is not about value. Right. I think that's that's the other key. This is not about value. Holding a newborn teaches you so much about value versus potential. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I tried to explain this to say the night. I said, honey, because she was talking about God and, and how hard it is to believe in God when you can't just touch him and talk to him. And you know what? She's dead on right. You know, that 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 is a... Difficult thing when you're young, and I think it's still difficult for us. And I said, you know, but the thing is, Sadie, what we, what I don't want you to think is that this is all up to you. Yeah, it's not all. You don't have to. You don't have to figure all this out. You know, it's like when you were born, you did not even know what I was, much less who I was. Yeah, you didn't even know I was there. You couldn't see six inches in front of your face or whatever. Yet I was holding you. Yet you were responding uh, to things that. You respond to the voice of your mom and your dad. Right. You were you're responsible for her entire environment. But she doesn't know that. She doesn't know what an environment is, her mom or dad. She, But there are feelings, instinctual things that are yeah. happening. And it wasn't until later that you began to really understand a little bit. And, and again, and, and at 10, she turns 10 next week. At 10, she still doesn't know about the mortgage and about the gas right. bill and That's about true. the you know all the things that that we're planning and doing even yeah. though she's now knows my name and we have this greater intimacy and I think about that in terms of our relationship with God how because we can't understand you know we sometimes miss that we're mm-hmm. still being held we're still being provided for we're still being you know cared for and just because you don't understand there may, there may be a chance that the eternal God, the creator of all the universe <laughs> that perhaps at the age of 39, yeah. I still have not grown to the place that I'm ready to fully instinctually, cognitively and emotionally and spiritually understand everything about him. Right. That maybe I learn a little more but that I would be if I would be open, it goes back to the original conversation, whether you're left or right whether you're religious or irreligious yeah. whatever things may be, I mean it's it's teachability it's saying yeah. I can be wrong. I may not know all of this. It doesn't mean that what I know about God is wrong. Okay, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that God is all wrong. It means that there may be viewpoints of Him or or sides sides of the equation that I have yet to even be exposed to to see that will make a fuller picture, uh, not just now but in the future. Yeah, I think the parent thing's true, definitely for sure. Like I definitely, my mom passed away when I was twenty nine, and. Um, it was kind of a sudden thing. She was only 62. She had kind of an illness that was really mystery. And it, she was in the hospital for about a month and passed away. And I think about the conversations I want to have with her now, even some, as somebody that doesn't have children of my own, where that would be, it would just blow my mind the things that I would be like, Oh no, I get it. But even now I think about, I was, I take these car trips now with my brother. He's been going with me on some comedy trips uh, for shows and things. And we'll talk about our memories of mom and dad. My dad's always also gone. And uh, so I was like, I think about the sacrifices she made now more. I'm like, how did mom even afford to do that? Because yeah. I knew what I know our situation now better. I know more about what she was dealing with. And the other thing, too, when you're a kid, 
you don't say it, but you almost think of your parents' life starting when you were born. Right. Like when you see an old picture of them as a teenager or something, you're like, who is this alien person? <laughs> They're having fun, you know, with their friends, and you're like, wait a minute. Wasn't on the water boy when he's looking at the picture of his mom and says, <laughs> what was her name? Like, dear, he's reading the letter. Like, dear Janine. Who's Janine? Yeah, like, that's right. That's mama's name, honey. Right. <gasps> like he's freaking yeah. out, you know. Yeah. But we do. It's like that weird inherent thing of like not you, – you've built this world around mm-hmm. your existence because that's our human nature. Yeah. Instead of realizing like this was a person with hopes, fears, dreams of her own. Yeah. She sacrificed to give you a life and now you're just – I'm whirling. And, and there's so many questions I would – I wish I could have like a two-hour conversation with my mom just to ask her some of those things. Yeah. And now, you know. I think about it a lot with my dad, you know, it's been over, yeah. just over a year and, and I think about the things he did, you know, whether it was to put us in private school because we were in a bad part of town or mm-hmm. whether it was, uh, the, the lawn care business that he would work till dark every night after teaching all day in school or being sure. a principal and, and, you know, the lack, never a complaint, you know, about it, just working so hard for that, um, and in and, and the joy of the working together because we had a family business and all those things, what it taught me probably shaped me more than anything in, in the world. Yeah. You know, you work all day with your dad in the hot sun. I just I always have these thoughts. There was this one place, this one apartment complex, and I was a weed eater guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I was little, I, mean, I started at nine holding a power blower, following my dad everywhere where he would blow off cars and sidewalks because he worked all day. And then when I got old enough, I, they got me a little weed eater to start weed eating. You know, I mean, like a Fisher Price at eleven. No, no. it wasn't. <laughs> it was a pair of scissors. Um, and um, but you know, I would man, I just quickly did. I didn't realize. Oh, that's not what most eleven-year-olds are probably doing in, in yeah. nineteen ninety-four or whatever. You know, because it's abuse, John. <laughs> you were being abused. You don't even know it. I didn't you know were. <laughs> but my dad was so proud. So proud, and we would. I'd be covered in sweat, grass, mm-hmm. sunburned, and we'd finish that last ditch. And we would both kind of converge. He'd come down one side, I'd come down the other, and we'd we'd have about a five minute walk back to the truck. Yeah, and your feet hurt, you're blistered, you're sunburned, and Dad would just kind of put his arm around me. And there was that, and the sun was starting to go down. There was that feeling of accomplishment, mm-hmm. and that I had done what my dad had done. You know, yeah, and. That he was real, real proud because dad was a big words guy. He, would yeah, just, he yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't leave it to chance. He would just go, right. son, I'm so proud of you. You work like a man, and you, you know, you're yeah. more valuable to me than six men. He would tell me stuff like that all the time, dude. <laughs> I'm fascinated by it because I remember growing up, uh, I didn't have that at all. Yeah. My dad didn't tell me he loved me and stuff like that, and he was very distant. And uh, we even talked about that, my brother and I, because he had lost a son. Right. We've talked about that before in different podcasts, but my dad lost a son before we were born, and so I think he just calloused his heart. That I'm not going to, I'm not going to let myself get close to these other kids. Yeah. And he was angry at God and all that. So I, I have more sympathy for my dad now, but I do think he just blew it. Cause I'm like, man, we could have been so close if you yeah. just opened your heart, you know? And so I'm trying to not, I'm trying to let myself turn into that now. That's what we do. We either try to like become the opposite of our dad or yeah. we try to become just like our dad. Um, but yeah, uh, when I met your dad, when I met your dad and saw the way that he interacted with you and how affectionate your family was. Yeah. I was really fascinated by that. Now, my mom was a hugger. She was like, oh, yeah. if you try to shake my mom's hand, oh, when no. you first, she'd go, we don't do that here. <laughs> she'd hug you so hard. Yeah. And I used to tell my mom that. I was like, I got friends coming over, mom. 
<laughs> okay, I don't need you to try to mother them or smother them or whatever you do. Like they have parents because she would, she would just be like, she was like the food thing. What do you, food? You guys want yeah. food? And you know, she was just that mom, but, or she would want to know what was going on in their lives and try to fix all their problems. Right. And, but I didn't have a dad like that. So when I saw your dad literally like sit, there'd be all this open space on the couch and he would sit right next to you and put his arm around you. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, uh, your nephew was five or six and that he would sit in your dad's lap yeah. and watch TV and they were so close. And I thought, what? A, I, it was like seeing and yet knowing what your dad was, that he was a long care guy and that he was this tough guy. But seeing like I just watched the Mr. Rogers documentary. Yeah. OK. Uh, Won't you be my neighbor, which I completely recommend. It's unbelievable. But one of the things they said about it, uh, one of the things one of the people who was on the show uh, or was commenting on it, there's a lot of commentary from people who worked on the show. And they said, looking back now, I can see that he was showing America that there was a different way to be a man. Wow. And I think that's what I saw when I saw your dad. Oh, here's this guy who's – it's like I was taught that you'd be really tough on the outside and – but. You know, or that you have to be really tough on the outside to like scare people. You know, you got to show them how tough you are. Yeah. Uh, and then, but on the inside, you might be a softy. Well, you just have to get to know him. Right. He's really a softy. Mr. Rogers was ooey gooey, yeah. soft, corny to some people on the outside. And that's how your dad was. But he has all this strength on the inside. Yeah. And he was drawing from this place of strength. And so it's like it's a different way to be a man. That's why we talk about before, like when I see these men's conferences and it's like they're showing you the way to be a godly man. And it's like one way. And that's you fire guns into the air and you change tires and you you do outward stuff that shows you grow a big beard and you show people. It's like, but there's different ways to be a man like that's yeah. not really godly. Godly manhood really is sacrifice. And so to see your dad lay down his life like that, it was it's really fascinating. And watching this Mr. Rogers documentary, man, it blew my mind. Literally, I was weeping, yeah, like sobbing in this movie. And it was such a nourishing experience at the movies, more than I would ever think, you know. Yeah, I need to go see it. You, I saw you posted about it, and I, I watched the trailer on yeah. those things. I, you know, and again, I don't. I'm not. I think we can't deify people. I mean, everybody has so many faults and all those things. But you, you, you're you're exactly right when it came to, um, I, you know, my dad. My dad taught me that mm-hmm. early on. I don't have to be afraid. You know, what I'm saying I don't have to be afraid of feelings. I don't have to be afraid of talking. No, I have to be afraid. You know, that doesn't make because again, there's sort of, there's value. There's value when somebody teaches you how to work because then you feel this. If there's a, if there's a uh, masculinity kind of thing. Yeah. There's nothing like sweat and bleeding, having grease and dirt and stuff. Right, all over right. You and, and you go, okay, you know, and feeling strength from that, that I can accomplish a task. Right. And and you can go too far in everything, but there, there's something, there's something there. to be said for work. I think work is, is, yeah. Oh yeah. There's just something you accomplish there. And so dad gave me both, you know, dad gave me the ability to, okay, you know, this is what we do. And we worked hard. God, we worked so hard and he did his whole life, usually two, three jobs. Yeah. You know, when dad retired, he went down to two jobs like that. That was, you know, that was like a vacation for him. Um, but in my office upstairs, and it's, it's, it's still hard. Um, cause he, when he, he came to church here his last several years of yeah. life, you know, he drove all the way from Nashville mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and especially at the end when he had a congestive heart failure, he couldn't sit in service 
because of the the fluid buildup and stuff. Yeah. So if he sat too long, so he was up and down a lot. So he, I'd find him in my office all the time. If I get off the stage from doing worship or something, and usually I come back and get something. I'd grab a little snack out of the cafe or something, get some coffee because I don't drink coffee before I sing and all those things. Yeah. And I'd have the sermon in my ear and my earpiece, and I'm just kind of following the service, but I'm getting a little breath, you know. And I'll find my office all the time, you know. And uh, he, we had this ongoing banter about Tennessee football. Mm-hmm. So, like, he did not like it that I went to Tennessee. <laughs> it wasn't because he hated Tennessee. It was because I left home, you know. He wanted yeah. to go to Vanderbilt. He wanted oh, to go to Vanderbilt. Okay, I didn't know so, that. Oh, yeah, he wanted to go to Vanderbilt. I never even applied to Vanderbilt. Tennessee was it. Like, I, I yeah. went to Neyland Stadium when I was a kid yeah. with another friend, and that was it. Like, you know, I, I loved it's it. back when we were good. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> well, again, we won the national championship my sophomore year, right. so, you know. That's and, a coincidence? I think not. Yeah, Dad why? claimed all the way to the end that that was, you know, again, Dad had, <laughs> he put <laughs> visions of grandeur in my mind, you know. Yeah. It was because God blessed Tennessee because you were there, you know. <laughs> it would have taken a miracle for Tennessee to win, you know. So it was like this, yeah. it was like this mixed stroke, you know, Tennessee is so horrible and yet god let them win because you you know so we'd have all this fun it was just fun you know and if we ever you know close games he'd, he'd text and call and we'd talk and you know but i have this tennessee vols um little notepad mm-hmm. like they're sticky notes and it's just one of those many many times in my office he wrote john your dad loves you and is proud of you Hmm. And he just kind of stuck it up on my desk because I had little notes from kids and stuff over the years. I'll stick up yeah. there. And I'm going to go buy a frame. I haven't put in a frame yet. But every once in a while I'll be sitting there working right now. And I will look up and I will look over and it will say, John, your your dad is uh, proud of you and he loves you. Man. And, um, sorry. <clears throat> and it's this reminder to me not just of that but the gift of a loving father Mm-hmm. That is what we're all missing of our our viewpoints of everything. Mm-hmm. If you had it, and you, and you you know, and even when Dad and I struggled, and we had plenty of struggles, you know, but but that was not a question. And I think that I struggle with God, but somewhere along the line, that became my reality in the last few years. Of okay, I'm now convinced that my father loves me and that he's proud of me. Yeah. Not because I don't have mistakes, all those things. It goes back to that. He's still in process of sanctifying me and changing me and all those things. I, I, I appreciate that from him. I'm not, I don't want, I don't want to be left alone. I'm not one of those people that goes, if you don't love me the way I am, I'm not, I don't want to be left alone. It's not because I hate myself. It's because I see it as love. Yeah. I see, I see guys working in my life as what it is. Yeah. And I see that my father did the same thing, you know, for me. Um, and I just, I would say, because the father wound, even for those who have good dads, there is a father wound in humanity. Mm-hmm. It is the story from the garden. It is the it is the God can't be trusted. The father can't be trusted. Though he's given you all things, it, it, you can't you can't get away from it. Throughout all of it, it's David. David doesn't. David struggles because he in his in his greatest moments in the Psalms of his his darkest moments, I should say. It's a, why have you abandoned me? Where are you? It's right. it, all throughout scripture, all the way to the cross. Jesus saying, he, he's addressing the question, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this sense of separation from the father is the story of humanity. It's the story of theology. It's, it is the, the tributary that flows through all of it. It's that, that thread that ties it all together Yeah, and that you can't just put your finger on and say, oh, I get this. Like, 
it, it continually runs through us and the way our fathers or the way our, our lack of fathers, good, bad, I think it works with both parents. It's not just fathers, the way we mm-hmm. interact with other people. It all is is playing into that narrative of how that wound affects us individually yeah. and the darkness of the world that covers over us. What the gospel is calling us to do is to mm-hmm. see glimpses of the light. That's why Paul said it's like a, a mirror dark and dim. That, that we have to realize that whatever viewpoint of God we have that's good is still so cloudy. It's still mired in shadows. It's yeah. not complete. It's not complete from this viewpoint. It can't be. And that if I have just this small glimpse of my father's love, you know, and what it does for me now, whether mm-hmm. it came through my dad's love of me and then through other other men and women in my life that have loved me well, through friends that love me well, that have showed me the love of the father, um, that if if that's just the beginning, then I want the whole. Like I want my – I'm going to give my life to that. Yeah. And I think that of all the political viewpoints and all the knowledge and all the things on the internet and all the things we do in church and all the sermons that we do – it really comes down to whether from from John to to Peter to Paul to all of them. It all came back. What they all would begin with in mm-hmm. all of their books was this is about the Father's love expressed to you yeah. through a Savior. And do you trust that? Yeah. That's it. And it's, it's simple. And it's not always simple after that in terms of – but none of it matters. I think you said it yeah. – I think you said it in the last podcast something to the effect of, you know, if you don't get that and you move on to the other things, then yeah. it's, they're never going to work. Yeah, the foundation's off. There was a story I read. Uh, I know we're winding down. There's a story I read, and this is kind of like a typical sermon illustration. I've used it before, though, because I really believe in it. It's uh, There's this picture uh, of this sheep that got away from his man and like hid in these caves. It was in another country in Australia, I think, or New Zealand. And uh, the sheep's name was Shrek, oddly enough. Wow. Uh, so they found him like four months later and the they he hadn't been sheared. So the weight of the wool on this sheep, I mean, they, there's a picture of the before they sheared him and it was so heavy. Uh, I want to say it was 30 or 40 pounds wow. of wool that he was carrying around. And so this idea of like God not leaving you the way you are, it's like he's called the shepherd for a reason. It's like there's a. There's a care. And so I always tell people like I've used it before meaning like if you hold unforgiveness, that's that that's that heaviness. Or if you're away from God, that's that heaviness. But sometimes I think it's about your story too. Like if you don't if you don't let God use the things that have happened to you, mm-hmm. they accumulate in your life. And so like a shepherd would shear a sheep and make sweaters and make whatever. That that wool has you value. But it doesn't have value really to the sheep except for like once it's – there's like a level of like, okay, it insulates me from the world. It's warmth. But when it gets so much, now it's not of use to you anymore. It's okay. just this heavy, awful thing. And so like I've tried in my act, in my – when I share on Sunday mornings places or even in my show, I've tried to be way more vulnerable because I feel like I've got to keep shearing. I've got to keep letting God shear that thing that I'm afraid of a little bit. But to be of use to somebody yeah. – and uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's, wow. that's like again. That's a sort of sermony thing to say, but it's true. I really do believe that it, it impacted me when I saw that story. I mean, I wouldn't be afraid of sermony things. Okay, John. <laughs> I'm not trying to be afraid of sermony it's things. Okay. Everybody. It doesn't rhyme though. So what value does it have? <laughs> it can't be of God. If you 
<laughs> Don't be a fool. Let God use your wool. Like it's, it needs to have something, you know. And stay in school. If you, if you want to get better, let God make a sweater. Like it, it needs. <laughs> I'm pulling up Michael Scott right now. Uh, something that something runs Bo, Bo, yeah. Peep, Bo Peep. Or it's, yeah. yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, I think it's really good. Um, the the usefulness and the weight. I mean, that, 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 that's where it really gets me. The you God, told, you said one thing one time about like, don't be so big. Don't make like, there's a level of confidence you should have in your place in God, but it can go over to pride. And the difference is, have you made yourself too big for God to use? Mm-hmm. Don't make yourself too big for God to use. And I think that's happened in entertainment, which is what I'm in. It's a really careful. You gotta be careful. Yeah. Because it's so about marketing your brand and, and self-promotion. And so when I do men's conferences, I say that. I say – I talk about lithium lithium drill. Yeah. I finally got a lithium drill, and I couldn't believe how light it was. Yeah. It was just as powerful as the other drill. But I could put, like, drywall up. I could put – like, over my head. I could hold over my head. And so I think sometimes we make ourselves too big to fit in God's hand to use. Like, we've made ourselves unwieldy yeah. for him because he's like, all right, I can't use this guy. Yeah, he's he's made himself too big for me. He's he's too heavy, uh, and so not that God can't use anybody He wants to use, but you know what I mean. There's a there's a there's a way that we can affect our usefulness. No, I agree. In the world, I agree. I, I think that I think usefulness is a real. It sounds cool to say in like a Scottish accent too. Useful, usefulness. usefulness. It it it's. I think the thing that we skip over, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because we are we're we're. I want the bestseller. Like I want that. I think that's okay that I want that. You know, Costco. But at the Costco, could you please call? But the 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 truth is though, man, I'd get a lot more fulfillment. Mm -hmm. I'm having a lot of just of just conversations about about faith and life and healing and things with people right now, and they're having them with me because I'm a very broken man. (laughs) I never felt more broken than I do now. It is so much more fulfilling. You know, I've I've had a m- minor successes in other things, and yeah. I'm not just making this up. Like I, I've, I'm way more, and I'm way less worried. You know, there's a level of worry and of sustaining success when it comes. I'm very opportunistic. You know, we talk about that all the time, and I, I always would come to you in accountability. Like, hey, man, so this opportunity came, and I'm already thinking about mm-hmm. opportunity X, Y, and Z that could follow if I do this, this, and this. Am yeah. I? Is that good stewardship? Does that mean I should be doing that to try to make sure I make the, the best of this moment? Or should I just sit back and be grateful and enjoy? You know, And I don't know that line. I don't know that line between yeah. the two. But because I don't want to be so opportunistic that I never live in the moment, you know, and it's never enough, you know. Yeah. But, well, and I live in that world too because it's like that's the old thing when you're starting out. You need like – with my world, you need stage time. You need people to give you opportunities. Yeah. So you have to kind of fight for that, and it's almost like you feel manipulative sometimes because yeah. you're like, okay, this guy's really powerful in this world. I need to – Oh, yeah. And so there's this old thing of like showing your hustle like it can't hurt to ask. And then I've learned over the years it can it hurt. Can hurt. Yeah. It can hurt because you can damage relationships by asking too, not, too many things or they they begin seeing you as the person who always wants something. Or you start – for me, it's hard for me to not look at churches as like, well, that's an opportunity for me to go share or like a conference. Oh, this guy does this conference. So yeah. this would be a – so people are not my opportunities. Right. They're just people. Yeah. 
you know, and so then you start, that's the whole thing is like, is God my source? Do I really believe God's my source or do I believe I'm the source? And I got to get out there and hustle and run on this treadmill uh, every day or it's not going to happen. I got to get up and make the donuts. Like that's the weird thing of like that balance between doing everything I can do, but also depending on something else. Yeah. And, and even knowing the times that it feels like opportunities are less and not freaking out Mm -hmm. like that. I'm in a season like that a little bit. I've got a couple things that are in motion already. Yeah. I don't have a lot of new things on the horizon. We talk about that with your booking sometimes. Like, right. Oh, I'm right. in a busy month, but I'm looking ahead at September <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And getting to the place where I'm, and it, 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 what's, what's cathartic to me or comforting is to talk to Jesus about that. Just like, Hey, I know you, I'm reminding myself and before you, <laughs> so I'm reminding myself that I know that all of these opportunities are, are from you or I don't want them. Mm-hmm. So, Hey, Here's what I'm worried about. Maybe I should be. Maybe you want me to go hustle more, but um, here's here's what I'm putting before you. You know it, and and I think that there's something great about that because you you just you shouldn't always be at one level. There may be moments and seasons of even rest. There may be seasons that yeah. that you're thinking, but but reminding yourself where your source is. So yeah, that's good. Well, listen, uh, man, that was good. We're out of time, Johnny. Oh. Out of time. I know it happens every. Feels week. like what the therapist would say. We're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be $85. Try and get over this. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, uh, I don't take insurance, Johnny. But uh, yeah, sorry about that. But... I'll see the receptionist on my way out. <laughs> hey, uh, we are, uh, I mean, we just really appreciate all of you who are reaching out and, and giving us comments and, and uh, sharing yeah. it. And it means a lot. It Leave really a review. Yeah. That helps our algorithm. It does. It does. It helps. And, uh, and you know, I always say, Feral, get one person. Get one. I always love it when a person comes up and says, oh, my gosh, I listened to an episode. Now I'm going back. Oh, you know, this yeah. is episode 29. Man, we're, yeah, we're, we're getting up there. And so people are almost a 30-year-old. People are going wow. back. And, and, and episodes, uh, if episodes were years. Right. We'd be, we're almost middle-aged. We're almost starting to lose hair a little bit. So, and a little, little lesson. But we married there. young, so we're good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the thing, John. You're losing your hair, but you married young. Absolutely. You got you got you won the prize. Here's the deal: as I start to look lesser and lesser in my attraction, yeah. her eyesight's getting worse and worse. So it's That's like, perfect. hey, it works. Perfect. Out. She's like in a blur. You, you still know, look good. Well, I married very young too. I was nine. Curry was six. So it's Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee marriages are different. And her parents were like, "Don't take a year off school, like you said. You were, you'll never go back." And she didn't go back. She didn't. She can't do fractions. She has a kid. She has education. a really hard time reading. Oh, so pray, keep us in your prayers. <laughs> well, guys, share it and uh, post it and send us comments, questions. And if you have topics you would like for us Ooh, to yeah. talk about, yeah, send us something you want us to really talk about uh, because we ha- we could keep going on what we want to talk about. That's fine. It never ends. But we'd love to hear from you as well. So appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you next time on Talk About That. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together, we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.